Light in sacred scripture has always been a sign of God's presence in the world. So when God led his people out of Egypt to the promised land, he guided them in the desert at night with a pillar of fire, literally providing light in the darkness so that they wouldn't lose their way. In the Psalms, light is often associated with the word of God. So in Psalm 119, the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Or in Psalm 23, which we just heard, the psalmist declares, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? In other words, the word of God illumines the path to heaven, just like the pillar of fire illumined the path to to Canaan, the promised land. The word of God illumines the path to heaven for anyone who chooses to follow. God never leaves us in the dark. He always gives us instruction and guidance through his word. He's present to us in the word. In the Gospel of John, you may remember in the the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus declares to anyone who's willing to listen, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This message of light and salvation is also reiterated today in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus himself goes to this little town of Capernaum and he quotes the seemingly obscure passage from the prophet Isaiah. He says, The land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. What is Jesus talking about, and why is he citing this obscure passage from the prophet Isaiah? Isaiah wrote those words, prophesied those words, 733 years before Christ ever walked earth. And at the time, Assyria, the mighty nation of Assyria, was pillaging the Jewish tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. And as the Jewish people were literally being decimated, as their land was being ravaged and taken, the darkness of despair enveloped them. They lost hope. And so the prophet Isaiah is coming to prophesy, to give them hope. And in so many words, he's saying, I know it's dark, but a light will arise. So have hope, because you who sit in darkness now, if you remain faithful, you will see a great light, and a new day will dawn. Fast forward back to Christ. Jesus goes to Capernaum. We read these names, and we oftentimes just gloss over them. But there's not a single word in sacred scripture that is a mistake, or that's not ordained by God to be there. Why is Jesus going to Capernaum significant? Because that's the town which just so happens to be located in the very spot where the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali intersected. In other words, it's the nexus of darkness. And there Jesus reiterates the prophetic words of Isaiah. To let the world know that he is the light that Isaiah was talking about. He's the new day that is dawning. He is the hope of all the nations. And if anyone wants to follow him, he will guide them to heaven.
because he is the light in the darkness of the world. And that message is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. Jesus is speaking to us just as he was speaking to his disciples. And anyone who follows Christ, the light of the world, will have hope and will have salvation. We happen to live in Baltimore, in, let's be real, a time of darkness for our city. Last year, I don't have to tell you, but last year we had 348 murders in this city. That's the second highest number of murders in our city's history. The only year in which there were more was 1993. There were five more, 353. But in 1993, there were 125,000 more people living in this city. And so when you factor that in, this past year was the highest murder rate per capita ever. In addition, there were over 700 non-fatal shootings in our city. Just down the streets, Planned Parenthood kills an untold number of babies every single week. And those murders are not accounted for by the police. There is darkness in Baltimore. I live here. And yet Jesus speaks. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. Anyone who follows me will have salvation. And I will dispel the darkness. I believe this. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he can and does change lives now. I believe that he loves us. I believe that he loves every single person in this city, no matter what. And I also believe that he has the power to change anyone in this city who simply comes to him and makes the decision to follow him. And I believe this is true no matter what any politician says, no matter what the problems are or how bad they are, and no matter how much darkness there is, because Christ is the light of the world. And that's why, to the best of my ability, the only things that we are trying to do here at the Basilica are those things which will radiate Him. That's why I spent two years founding a missionary program called Source of All Hope. To have young men and women literally spend about two or three hours a day in prayer and at Mass to receive the light of Jesus, to then take that light into the darkness of the streets. This summer I hope to have men and women. I hope to get another house in the city, probably to rent. So that we can then have up to maybe four men and four women. Pray for that. But that's not the only way we're trying to make Christ present in the city. In fact, it's not the primary way. The Eucharist is Christ. Do you believe that? Studies show that 66% of Catholics who come to Mass don't truly believe in the real presence. 
I believe that the Eucharist is Christ, and I know that you do too. That means that the Eucharist is the light of the world, because Jesus is the light of the world. That means that if people come to Christ in the Eucharist, he will dispel their darkness. Notice that neither Isaiah nor Jesus said that the darkness would be dispelled by public policy, or by laws, or by politicians, or by social programs. We need those things. But he didn't say that any of those things would dispel darkness. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness. And I believe Jesus. So here's what I'm trying to do now with my staff and with my deacons and with my councils and with the parish. I'm working on a plan to have perpetual Eucharistic adoration here at the Basilica. In other words, a plan to make Jesus present to everyone in Baltimore who wants to come visit him at any hour, day or night. And I'm working on the plan to invite every single Catholic parish in the city, every Catholic institution in the city, every Catholic religious order in the city to send adorers to make this happen. We don't have enough people to do it, but in the city we have enough people if people will commit to praying in front of the Eucharist for change. I believe that if you make Christ accessible to people, he will change their hearts. And if our doors are open for the people who maybe aren't Catholic, who want to come in and experience that peace, I know that he will change their hearts because he is the light of the world. And you cannot possibly sit in front of the light of the world and not be changed. God is the only one who has the power to change our hearts like that. He is the source of all hope. He is the source of all light. And he wants to dispel the darkness in Baltimore. And it's our job, not my job, our job, to make him accessible to the people. And believe me, I've been here for three years and I've heard every, everything against this. It doesn't change. But I'm asking for your support. The people who are complaining have left. You've remained. I need every one of you to do this. So to close, I'd like to reread the quote from Isaiah, which Jesus reiterated in the town of Capernaum. But I'd like to change one thing. Instead of saying the names of Zebulun and Naphtali, I'd like to replace it with Baltimore and see what it sounds like. The land of Baltimore, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. I like the sound of that. We have the answer to the darkness that exists. We have the Eucharist. We have Christ, the light of the world. And God has put us in Baltimore during the darkest time of our city's history for a reason. Because he is asking us to make this light visible in what happens to be the flagship and central church of the entire archdiocese. So for the next three weeks, I will unapologetically 
be beating this drum and asking everyone to support this effort. Isaiah did this work. The apostles did this work. Jesus did this work. And now we are being asked to do this work. There's only one thing I know. There's two things I know. It'll be resisted heavily because the devil will hate this. So mark my words. It will be resisted heavily. The second thing I know is it'll succeed. The reason it will succeed is because it is not my work or it is not the work of a human person. It's the work of God, the light of the world. And the people of Baltimore need this light. So remember, light in sacred scripture has always been a sign of God's presence in the world, his hope. Jesus is the light. The Eucharist is Jesus. Therefore, you want to dispel the darkness in Baltimore? Give the people the Eucharist.